0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi. You guys are listening to episode number 26, and uh, it is Friday, August the 5th. I'm a little, a little behind schedule because um, I did a podcast show last week on uh, Saturday with Adrian Appalucci, live from Boston. And uh, the show's supposed to be uh, recorded on Wednesdays, but it was a quick turnaround with all the traveling. So I will be back next week for episode 27 with uh, special guests, maybe guests, uh, Chris Italia and Dave Kimowitz, uh, my managers from Cringe Humor. That will be this Wednesday, but um, for now, uh, episode 26, I got a good show for you guys. Uh, I'm riding solo on this one again. But a lot of cool stuff to talk about. I first want to definitely acknowledge the shows that uh, I recently did this week. Uh, After Boston, I came home and I did a show on uh, Monday, which was pretty interesting and I want to talk about um, in a second. That was in New Haven, Connecticut for a fundraiser um, at Joker's Wild Comedy Club. And then Tuesday, I was down in Philadelphia um Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Awesome city. I was performing at Helium on the Bird text show, which is a monthly show they do down there. Uh Helium is right in downtown Philly and uh it was a really good time. Met some cool funny comics, uh local comics from Philly and had a good time down there. So I want to talk about it. But first, I want to talk about um what happened on on Monday. And comedians, if you're listening to this show, man, I'm sure some of you guys are going to know what I'm talking about, but I'm sure some of you guys will be surprised because I was surprised because anytime you hear the word fundraiser, you think people are going to be respectful. Anytime you hear the word disease and fundraiser included in the same fucking sentence, you're kind of like, okay, this is going to be some really respectful, thankful, appreciative people that are... Taking part in this and and in the show, unfortunately, it was not the case. Now let me start off by saying this: the people at Joker's Wild Comedy Club in New Haven, Connecticut, um, they they love me. They've been great to me. They book me. They told me that I'm one of their favorites. I really do appreciate it. I started headlining there almost two years ago, and uh, you know they bring me back. Um, and I would never want to say anything bad about the comedy club or the people there. Um, I will however say that the room can be out of control and if you are not a comedian that can be quick on his toes or if you are a comedian that's very monotone and doesn't like to blast people or call things out when you have to, you will have a very hard time there. It's just a simple fact of the room. Um, Almost to the point that's too much and it's so unpoliced sometimes. You know, even if they mention don't talk at the beginning of the show, I mean there's really it's really it takes a lot for somebody to walk up to somebody. Although I've had them do it. They will walk up to up to somebody and say, Listen, you gotta stop talking, but it, it's the type of room where like you really ca- you can't really fuck around. Like you need to just be able to to bring the funny with your jokes, but then stop your show on a dime, go at somebody, rip them up, you know, address what's going on in the room and then go back into your into your room. Um, into your set, which, you know, obviously professional comedians can do, what I'm saying is, if you have a hard time with stuff like that, or, you know, I mean, you could literally, there's a type of room you could literally see people get up and start talking to people, I mean, it's crazy, so anyway, um, I go there, and, um, the owner's wife's father is, um, not doing well, he's, he's, has, um, you know, cancer everywhere, I, you know, and, and it's not looking good for him, so they had something called the um, the Good Days Chronic Disease Foundation, and they raised a lot of money for it. Um, and they said, uh, you know, Paul, we want to do like a fundraiser show for my dad, uh, Vincenzo Germana. Uh, it was his name. He's a 67-year-old Italian guy, bald-headed guy, Sicilian, sitting in the back of the room. Um, you know, really nice guy, and uh, in my opinion, looked great for what he was going through. So, anyways, I. Um, You know, I I go there, and I'm thinking that this is going to be some respectful people, and I have to be honest, man, this thing turned into a fucking circus. I went there with fellow comedian, and also on the same management uh, company as me, Danny LaBelle, and Danny, uh, he featured... And, um, you know, they're just talking over him and, you know, he got through it and stuff, but it was just like, I mean, there was no respect level, you know, people were just talking. So I get brought up on stage to do, you know, like 40 plus minutes. And, you know, I just looked around the room and I kind of calmed them down at the beginning, but there was just talking and then 30 people walked in while I was on stage. It was a bunch of bikers that came in because there's like some biker gang that goes there that's friends with the owner. So these guys, would, I felt like half of the room was like that biker gang in the movie A Bronx Tale. That's who the fuck I felt like I was performing in front of. Guys are coming in late, people are standing up, hugging. And I had to stop, and I really looked at the guy that we were there for, and I said, Vincenzo, man, what's going on here? You know, And he looked, and he's like, man, I'm with you. And I just felt like it was really disrespectful, and I felt like it was a real fucking circus, and, and what we had to go through. you know, and And I was proud of myself on certain things, because I would definitely like you know start to kill but here was the thing and Danny LaBelle was in the back of the room and he was telling me he saw it too where I would kill and get a clap break and be like alright I finally have this circus under control and then I would sip my water which didn't even take a second from the clap break and I would lose the crowd again like that's what it was like it was a fight and I even told him at one point I said listen fuckers I have a lot of heart I'll be up here till midnight if I have to until I start killing and you know they really liked me and I did my thing but it was work it was very few glimpses during the set of me truly having fun. It was more of keeping these animals. I swear to God, I felt like I was performing in a fucking prison. The only thing this, this half of this room didn't have on it was, was uh, orange jumpsuits. And the other half of the room, like, you really had to win over. There were some people sprinkled in the audience that you could tell were real fans of comedy. But this was absolutely hell. And it was a shame to see because I thought it was disrespectful to the guy that it was in honor of. Uh, the guy Vincenzo, who's not doing well. So, anyway, though, I, I, you know, we, we made it work. You know, we came, we got out there, we got our money, we made it work. Uh, you know, but it was really like crazy. So, um, you know, and what can you do? Like, I'm in a position where I'm there for a fundraiser. They hired me. And I think part of the reason they hired me is because they know that I can deal with stuff like that, but it doesn't mean I want to. <laughs> so that was Monday. Uh, that was Monday night. Um, and, uh, you know, my thoughts and prayers do go to uh, Vincenzo Germano, who has, I think, bone marrow cancer. And, he, you know, he's, he's, you know, really have a, a rough fight ahead of him. Uh, and you would never know it from talking to him. The guy is just, you know, seems so cool and everything. So that's what I did. Um, I would like to thank Joker's Wild for having me there. Uh, but it was just, it was pretty insane. Um, now, Tuesday night, I go down to Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Um, and I don't get to perform in Philly a lot, but it's a cool city. It's one of those cities that when you do go to perform there, it's just you know it's you know you try to eat down there or whatever. You try to get a cheese steak. I, I love Gino's steak because so I've eaten a lot of different steaks down there. Gino's is my favorite. Um, but we go to Helium, and it was a show called the Bird Text Show, um, which is run by uh, John uh, McCreever and his buddy Tommy. Um, and they put a a great show together, I guess this was the second one ever, it was at Helium Comedy Club downtown, um, good time, I closed the show, I did like 30 plus minutes, really enjoyed myself. Um, it was really cool to, to, to do the new material down there in Philly. The funny thing I noticed about performing in Philly is, um, and some other comedians said they noticed it too, I closed the show and I think me being from New York and the crowd was like a tight Philly crowd, me being from New York, they had this kind of, like, okay, you're closing the show, you come from New York, yeah, you you know, you're funny, you know, you're you're on the show, well, let's see what you got, fucker, you know, you New York prick, let's see how funny you are. So they kind of had that, like, you gotta earn it, which I was totally fine with, and I just, you know, I think once the crowd saw that, I stuck, um, I stuck to my guns there, and I just did what I did, you know, everything was fine and worked out. Uh, nice crowd for a Tuesday, it was great, and then, um, and then we go to this other place, around the corner, I guess this place called Noche, which does a Tuesday night, kind of like open mic, five minutes, you get up, it's like on top of this bar down there, right? So I'm like, yeah, I'll go, my buddies, again, maybe you get up again, we'll get up again, I'll put your name on the list. So I go there, and there's like 14 people, half of which aren't even looking at this little stage, and all these comedians in the back, just going up doing five, six minutes, and it was a nightmare. And I'm like, I'm not fucking doing this. This is an open mic. And um, make a long story short, me and my buddy at first didn't do it and said, no, you know, so we're going to go get a cheesesteak because it was like, you know, performing in front of eight people. So we go, we get a cheesesteak at Gino's, which was delicious. My friend drops me off at my car, and I'm thinking, man, maybe I should have went up, but I'm like, there was nobody there. People were even leaving, and it was, I I hate to say this, but there was a lot of really bad comedy, and it was like kind of like an open mic, and I didn't do it. But here's how fucked up I am as a comedian, okay? And I'm sure so many comedians go through this and know this, but I'm so fucked up as a comedian, I'm so used to saying yes to everything and needing to get on stage every time I can that I was pissed off at myself for not doing it, meanwhile, my buddy who had to, I apparently take a shit when he dropped me off, went back in the place, and they asked him to go on, and he did go on, and he said it totally wasn't worth it, and it was just a fight, it was one of those shows where for five minutes, you have to go up there, and just talk about how you're the next person to bomb, and nobody cares, and it's all local comedians in the back, total shit, like, shit, but it's like, as a comic, I was still, still beating myself up, going, why didn't I just go up, even though if I would have just had to take knives and bullets for five minutes in front of local comics like why didn't i do it It was just so such a shitty thing and i'm you know for three days i friggin sit there and i'm talking to myself beat myself up about it which is a typical comedy thing to do but um no helium was great i had a good time it was a it was a real show and then i had a cheesesteak and drove home so thanks to those guys down there if uh, you see that bird text show next month and you're in the philadelphia area definitely go to it those guys do funny clips they did a funny sketch called The um, House Husbands of Philadelphia, uh, which was pretty funny. They played it before the, the comedy show started, and uh, definitely support that show. So that's how my week has been so far, and uh, I'll talk about the show that I have later this uh, tomorrow, uh, later in the podcast, but that that's, uh, that's basically how my week started after um, Boston. So, uh, now I want to get in to From the Fans, the new segment that I'm doing here on the Verzi Effect podcast called From the Fans, um, where I basically have, you know, two to three people a week kind of email me, tell me what they want me to talk about and, you know, the best questions or, you know, um, if somebody says, hey man, you know, I want to hear that on the podcast, you know, I'm, I'm, as long as it's not the stupidest question in the world, of course I will try to, um, you know talk about what people ask me to talk about so this first one here um, is a great question it's a question that's been uh... i guess kinda just circulating throughout all kinds of circles of comedy all over the country Um and it comes from uh... A, a comedian um in in boston matt kona from boston who's a comic uh... emailed me this question and uh... i think it's a great question i i've been talking about this a ton um, so I'll jump right into it. Basically, he asked, what I think of these backdoor free comedy shows. Um, you know, uh, it, it seemed like what he was asking was about the alternative scene or just these free, you know, comedy shows. I'm gonna go right to the to the question, and it says um, wanted to know what you think of the independently run sort of backroom free comedy shows. Do I do them? Do I swear them off? Do I think it devalues comedy Um, presented in an environment as professional slash traditional as a comedy club? Uh, Do you think it's important in terms of young comedians learning to develop um, and get as much stage time as possible? Um, There's been a lot of talk about this and discussion in the Boston scene, which I'm sure there is because it's everywhere. Uh, about this. I'm curious about your perspective. Um, Thanks. Thanks, uh, Matt. I'm glad you love the podcast, man. And I'm glad, uh, glad you asked that question. And I think it's a great question. And it's a question that definitely needs to be addressed. Here, here's my, here's my thoughts on that. Okay. I definitely think with comedy, stage time and writing is 100% fucking just everything that we do. If you're not right, and then you're not getting on stage. Most importantly, trying the new shit when you do get on stage, and not being afraid to bomb. Um, you know that that's the biggest part of this. Uh, I remember when I first started. You know, for years I just wanted to kill. So when I had a set that killed, I would slowly sneak new jokes in here or there. But I was afraid that jokes weren't going to kill. And now I'm at the point where it's like you want to just throw new stuff on, and it doesn't matter if it bombs. Of course, you're going to do it strategically. But as far as these rooms you're talking about. Listen, stage time is stage time, and, um, you know, if you got a friend that runs a room like that, or, you know, if you know some of the comics that run a room like that, um, and it's free, and they're kind of just inviting people off the street, I say, why not do it, because all it's going to do is make you better. Um, but the discussions that I've been having with people have been about alternative comedy. You know, my managers and a bunch of people were out there uh, at the Montreal Comedy Festival, And, um, you know, uh, I mean, I'll be honest and and come right out and say I'm not an alternative comedian, you know, Um, you know, and I'm not going to apologize for that, even though that that's, you know, kind of what they're trying, the product that they're trying to market in certain circles. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not weird. I'm not awkward, you know, Um, I'm not a nerd. I'm not, you know, I'm just not that, you know, I'm not somebody that was kind of very you know, just awkward and weird and antisocial, that, that's not me and that's not who I am, so I'm not going to portray that as on stage, but a lot of those backdoor rooms you're talking about are a lot of comedy like that, I think, and I don't think it's really authentic, I think a lot of people are growing, you know, I have a little scruff on my face, so so I don't want to be a hypocrite here, but a lot of these people are growing these fucking lion manes for beards and throwing on these nerdy glasses and um, going up on stage, not really having a point of view, just saying stuff. And, and they put together these shows and, oh, that person's different. They're really weird. They're really quirky. You know, he needs to be seen. And I was talking to, to a couple of comedians about this. And, you know, it's almost like the anti-star quality now is really big the awkward um you know i don't know it's just weird to me it's it, it's really weird to me and and the alternative scene i definitely think there's a place for it in comedy but i also think that a lot of times it's a fucking cop out you know i came up you know i came up um in rooms like uh you know really urban black rooms where i was the only white soul in the room and i needed to get funny and i needed to fucking do it right away and i needed to You know, going there with my five, six minutes of material and getting no pay and knowing that they probably want to boo me. And that's how I came up. I came up to get stage time in the horrors of environments. Um, And go into a comedy club, you get on stage and you bring the funny. And I think that there's a cop-out with that now. I really do. I think that now, if you're really awkward and weird, you know, it's like that documentary on alternative comedy they did called Tell Your Friends. But that's not real. You know, all of your friends coming out to listen to you tell some fucking story or listen to your weirdness, although there's a place for it in comedy, that's not real. Real comedy is strangers in the crowd who don't know you just looking at a stage and a microphone and which comedian is going to come on next and fucking bring it. That's what comedy is. That's how I came up watching comedy. I came up watching George Carlin and Chris Rock and and, uh, you know Dave Chappelle and, and Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor, guys that just went up there. You know, not a guy with a fucking beard like Santa Claus and these, you know, black frame, you know, glasses just going up there talking about how they get no pussy. You know, that that shouldn't be what kills. You know, it's like everybody's going up there talking about not getting laid and and, and of course you didn't get laid. You're a fucking nerd. You shouldn't get laid. A girl doesn't want to fuck you. What does a girl want to fuck you for? You're the fucking weirdo. I'm not saying that. Listen, and I talk about this on stage. I wasn't the nerd in school and I wasn't a bully either. You know, I was the in the middle. I was in the in the middle. You know, I was like the guy who was friends with all the different groups. I was popular, but I, I treated everybody with respect. I, I, I talk about this joke on stage where I say, I actually stuck up for the nerd in school. You know, I stood up to the bully. I was like the guy in the movies who's like, Leave him alone, Todd. You know, the guy just puts his hand out. Leave him alone, Todd. And then, you know, Todd would want to fight me. Like, that's who I was. Um, but, you know, these... So if, if if the question is, like, would I do a backdoor room for free, you know, just to get up there? And it's just like a comedy show where, you know, that, that somebody wants to put on there, uh, you know, because they're not in a comedy club, but they want to get up and work. Absolutely, you know, work is work. And I'll never knock that. But the only thing that I'm, uh, it's a little scary for comedy right now is the alternative comedy scene where um, that awkwardness is what industry is looking at, Um, you know, can be dangerous. And uh, fortunately, I found out for the first time ever this year, the Montreal Comedy Festival is doing a showcase where it's not that because apparently New Faces is all that. But um, what they're doing is they're doing something called the Unrepped Show, which is just, you know... You know, just, you know, just go up there and be funny. And um, But I'll tell you guys, I heard some things, man. And and this isn't to scare anybody, but it was definitely concerning to me as a comic. I was getting a phone call. I'm not going to mention any names. But I was getting a phone call for some really big recognized comedians that I'm friends with from Montreal. Um, and on a couple of different occasions, whether it be comedians or managers, I, I got phone calls going, dude, this is an absolute fucking nerd fest. This is... This is very weird and awkward. The feel to the festival is just like it didn't have a feel of, of anything other than than very very alternative. And although that that's in and that's what they're looking for and there's a place for it, I think all types of comedy, especially with big festivals, should be showcased. Um, you know, but I'll tell you, I I um, I have nothing bad to say about any any festivals or showcases um, where I didn't get in because I didn't have a good audition, and I'll be the first to admit, like, my audition, like, I, I got to the, I don't know if it was, like, a, a private callback show, or if it was just a private show for the Montreal audition, I was lucky enough to be there, and like an idiot, I really, um, I really was, like, on the way to the Montreal audition I was doing, was like, yeah, should I open with this? I literally, at one point, changed up my set in the middle of it like it wasn't something where I went and I had exactly what I was going to do which is shame on me you know I, I was like you know pe- oh, I'm killing right now I'm killing my set's doing well I'll just go there and do that and maneuver it and, and it wasn't strategically thought out and uh, which is so fucking ridiculous I really have to stop shit like that I also try new bits at the worst times sometimes because I just get so fearless that it's stupid, like I was opening, and I mentioned this on the podcast, the show I opened for Bill Burr in front of 1,500 people at Red Bank, uh, in Red Bank, New Jersey, at the Count Basie Theater, and I literally closed with something that I like wrote the night before, and it got nothing after me having a really good set in front of 1,500 people, and Burr was funny, Burr goes, yeah, you just turned the Count Basie Theater, a theater gig, a huge theater gig in front of 1,500 people. You just turned it into a workout room like the comic strip. I need to stop doing stuff like that. And, uh, you know, he said to me, he's like, although you got confidence and it's really, you know, awesome that you're confident like that you got to you know you want to really be more strategic with it same thing with auditions you know i go in and i'm like listen i'm gonna be me and i'm gonna just write my stuff and do it and see how it goes but you can't be changing stuff like that so as far as a montreal comedy festival and my audition i'll be the first to say i didn't have an audition uh that was good worthy enough for me to be there and that's fine um and i learn from it and i move on from it um and and that's fine and let's be honest they're not looking for me right now they're not looking for comics like me they're looking for that um... they're looking for that you know they're looking for that different you know alternative type type thing but what i'm concerned is is hopefully in the future you know and with this new show they got on there hopefully there's a place for every type of you know comedy to get to a festival and be seen by bigger uh... agents and and just be seen by more and more industry Um, so to answer the question, I think there's a place for everything like those backdoor rooms in comedy, like those free shows. Um, but you know, the one thing that I'll say is, um, you know, it, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't take over. And the sad thing is they're saying that comedy clubs don't have, you know, some places are saying comedy clubs don't have the best comedy now. That's really scary. That it shouldn't be like that. The funniest shit should happen in a comedy club. It is called a comedy club for a reason. It's not called a cigar club. It's not called a fucking poker club. It's not, you know, it's called a comedy club. It is a club people go to to laugh. That's where the funniest shit should be happening, in my opinion. Um, or any private comedy show. But I think that people should pay for comedy shows, pay to see professional comedians, unless obviously people are up and coming. Um, but I'll do them and I don't swear against them. To answer your question, Matt, I, I don't swear against them. You know, I never swear against anything that's a microphone and people saying their thoughts and feelings and making it funny. I mean, that's what we do. But when it gets to the point where people try to, you know, outweigh the, you know, that's what I just don't like about things, man, these days. Like everybody tries to like hate on what's mainstream and good. Like people try to, you know, it's like if it's not broken, don't fix it. Comedy clubs should be the best and, you know, um, and people should pay, this whole, oh, it's free, this whole hipster thing, oh, it's free, just come out, it shouldn't be free, 100%, always, I mean, like I said, sometimes, yes, but should it be free, that you sat down in your house, and you thought of those clever things, and those creative thoughts are yours, and that punchline is yours, and you're just going to give that away to people, you know, or just, you know, I think if you're a working comedian, man, times are bad, even when you're getting paid, Comedy money is fucking terrible. You know, they try to act like, uh, what, $100 for a feature spot? Or $150 for a feature spot for a set? That's fucking bullshit. You're up there for a half hour busting your ass in front of strangers, making them laugh. You should get more than that for them. uh, That's what I think. You know, so with money being as bad as it is, I try to... The only thing I really look at free shows for is working on new stuff. Which means you go in there thinking, if it doesn't work, fuck it. But I need to try to get these new bits in um... so i hope i hope this helps i hope this answers the question in a way but i just i definitely think that um, you know there's a place for every type of comedy in the business i think that there is a uh... you know room out there for every style of comedy or comedian to grow and get better i just don't think things should sway so much that one dominates the next i think there's a place for everything i think there's an audience for everything Um, but I, I, I will stick with this saying, going to a comedy show where all of the friends of the comedians are in there, um, and just kind of going up there, like, I've seen comedians go up and tell stories about stuff that they did with their friends and their friends are in the crowd. And it's like, okay, fine, if you got, like, a bunch of people that came to see you and, like, you know, you wanted to, like, acknowledge something, that's one thing, but you can't rely on that to get stronger. And I'll tell you guys This. There is no alternative comedian. Okay. I mean I shouldn't say no alternative comedian cuz they may be able to turn on a different switch, but there is no like you know comedian that I know that is in that awkward alternative scene that could have dealt with what me and Danny LaBelle had to deal with in Connecticut with rowdy bikers, tattoos, people getting up talking to each other. It was like a loud cafeteria of people talking and it was su- it was just it was almost like a do or die comedy at its like most I you can't even call it pure. It was just do or die survival mode. And I don't I I don't necessarily think a lot of these comedians at industries looking at like these uh you know, some of these fucking alternative comics could could really do it. I I you know, it was one of those things where I think you got to be a mainstream, you know, fucking think on your toes and and you could tell who really got their chops coming up. You know, you want to see a comedian if you want to see comedians that really know what they're doing and really have their chops and see how hard they worked i think you got to put them in a situation that's really uncomfortable and see how they handle it and i think that's something that you know you know you can't get from a ton of friends and family in the crowd um doing that and that's just my opinion so you know listen all the power to this business is really hard and i i respect everybody that gets up and tries to do it but i i definitely think that uh you know um straight up jokes and being funny is what it should be about and not a look and not awkwardness and things like that. So that's my take on it, Matt. I hope I answered your question, Um, you know, and uh, I think that comedians should mix it up. So I don't swear against those rooms, but I think comedians should do those rooms and comedy clubs alike. I also think they should perform in the city that they're in, and I also think that they should perform on the road because you have one or two. You know, you have people a lot of times that either just do city clubs, do their home clubs and sit home and that's it. And then you have people that are just on the road and they're never there. I, th- You know, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to do the road as much as I possibly can. Um, and then when I'm home, I try to get to New York City as much as possible, performing in those clubs and constantly writing. And I think that that's the way to do it. Um, all right, so that, that's that question. Thanks again. That's comedian Matt Kona uh, from Boston. Uh, you know, check him out. and. Uh, you know, I appreciate it. Now, moving on. The next question I got. This one's going to be... Uh, this one is not comedy related. And this is from an old buddy of mine, Chad Weikert. Chad. Chad, Chad is actually from Philadelphia. And when I moved to upstate New York from 8th grade through high school, Chad moved there from Philly. And we met each other standing outside the cafeteria, both miserable that are... Just both, you know, him more miserable than me because I was there a year. But I hated it, and we kind of had that. We identified with each other like, yeah, we're in upstate New York. This sucks. Um, Chad is a a buddy from Philly who, uh, unfortunately, don't get to see that much. Occasionally when I perform upstate in that area, he comes out and supports, which I uh, appreciate uh, always. But Chad is a big-time football Eagles fan. And what he wanted me to talk about was, and this will be a nice segue into sports after that, so we'll kind of do this question, um, and then we'll go into sports. Chad wanted my whole take on the NFL lockout and free agency, and basically wanted me to talk about the Eagles, which uh, I have no problem doing there, buddy. Uh, (laughs) All right. Here's what I'll say about the lockout. The lockout was like one of those things where you almost wish you didn't know what was going on because it's no harm, no foul. We're going to get football. We didn't miss anything, and all it did was was put fear put fear in us for a while, and I said that last time. So the lockout's over. Um, we're going to have football, which I kind of knew was going to happen only because the amount of money that those selfish bastards would have lost, they would have never allowed. So I'm glad that they worked it out. As far as a free agency frenzy that was... Um, I gotta be honest, man. I a lot of things happened that I that I thought would happen, but I'm I'm shocked about Randy Moss. I really am. You know, Randy Moss was a favorite receiver of mine from when he got out of Marshall. He's just a guy that I follow just because of his talent. In my opinion, Randy Moss has more talent than any. Now he's not the best ever because Jerry Rice had the work ethic and the ability. But as far as straight up ability and just freakish like athletic you know, talent, uh, Randy Moss was awesome, and I think when he found out that he wasn't going to get top dollar, uh, he just said, fuck it, which sucks, so I was surprised about that, um, don't worry, I'm getting to the Eagles, I'm getting to the Eagles, just trying to iron everything out, Tiki Barber may go to the, uh, Dolphins, I'm curious to see what he could do, Plaxico to the Jets, the thing about Plaxico, which I thought was, was, um, fitting was he wouldn't have been right back with the Giants. It was almost just like something that happened bad where you just move on from both sides. So I think it was more of a closure thing. Um, didn't expect him to go to the Jets, but that that's fine. Um, McNabb to the Vikings makes sense. Uh, Kevin Cobb to Arizona makes sense. A lot of the moves, you know. Um, I didn't expect Albert Hainsworth or Chad Ochocinco. Chad Johnson, I can't even believe I said Ocho Cinco, such a stupid fucking name, Chad Johnson to the Patriots, and Albert Haynesworth, in my opinion, makes them the favorite in the AFC, but uh, I think, I, my opinion right now, gun to my head, and I know it may be easy to say this, but I really think the Patriots and the Packers are going to go to the Super Bowl for, for one reason and one reason only, um... They were 14 and two without a run stop, the Patriots, and now they got Haynesworth, who seems rejuvenated. And when that guy's playing, that guy stops the run. Period. Uh, also, you give another good receiver, a top name receiver, to Brady. He'll be rejuvenated. Um, Brady is now over a year, over a year removed from his knee injury, um, so that's not even going to be on his mind. I don't think it was last year, but now it's really in the rearview mirror. Um, look at this NFL commentary I'm giving you bastards. After giving you guys killer comedy shit, now I'm coming up with this. You fucking Furzy Effect podcast fans are spoiled. Um, yeah, so I I just I, I and the Packers pretty much have the same team. So I think with those th- with those being said, my my picks are the are the Packers and the Patriots. So we'll see what my Giants do. I'm not f- too optimistic, but we'll see. Now. Getting to the Philadelphia Eagles and Chad's question. What do I basically what do I think about the Eagles? Here's what I think about the Eagles. I think that they made moves that any office should make. They made the right moves, I guess. You know? It's the fans I have a problem with. Okay? I have a problem with the fans. And this is why I have a problem with the Eagles fans. Because Eagles fans are kind of pissed off. They're just like these dogs that are in, like, waiting for the cage to open. Like, all they want to do is run. They want to run. They'll talk shit about running, but the cage is still closed. And they're just waiting. They're, they're snarling. They're foaming at the fucking mouth to just go run. And they're, and they're we're going to run. We're going to run. I'm telling you, we're going to run. The cage isn't open yet. Okay? Namdi Asomwa, awesome defensive back. I think that that's a great move. Um, Vince Young will get some playing time because I don't know if Vic is going to you know, play every game because he's a little guy uh, and he gets hurt because uh, he takes big hits. But he's awesome. He's awesome. That game against the Redskins was one of the greatest performances I ever said. Here's what I'll say, Eagles fans. Just win one. I said this to Red Sox fans, just win one. Listen, if you win the Super Bowl, you can talk all the shit you want, and you know what I'll do? Not even because I'm a Giants fan, I'm saying this. I'm saying this because I'm a football fan. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan. Same thing I would say in baseball. I said this to Red Sox fans before 2004. Win it once and then talk your shit. That's all you have to do. Win fucking one time have that trophy, have that ring, and then say, you know what, we made the moves, we're the fucking best, we're the champs. you could talk all this shit in the world, and I'll say, you know what, absolutely. But until then, I don't give a shit who you sign. Okay, you could sign Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, okay, get Randy Moss for nothing tomorrow. You could have, the Eagles can have, the Eagles can have an all-star team, okay, with every player being an all-pro. But until you win the Super Bowl, you got you guys got to just shut the fuck up. You know, I mean, listen, Eagles fans and Philadelphia fans, I've always said this. They are the most, I don't know if they're the most passionate, but they're definitely the most insane. To puke on a fan, to puke on a fan, think about that for a second. You're throwing up on a fan of the opposing team. Like you're saying, you know what, I don't give a shit about anything else like throwing things at them or yelling obscenities at them. No, I'm going to regurgitate my food. To let this asshole know how much I hate his jersey and the fact that he's not rooting for my team. I'm going to puke on him. That is the ultimate. And the funny thing about that is puking on somebody is bad enough as it is. Think about the moments before where the person actually had to stick their finger in their mouth in order to make that action happen. <laughs> think about that for a second. Like you're just standing over somebody like, you know what, hold on, hold on. And you're throwing something down your throat or your finger in your throat to make that puke. And then you puke and your eyes are tearing. you got shit coming out of your mouth and nose. And you're just like, yeah, take that. Take that, you son of a bitch. That's how much Philadelphia sports fans are into it. So, um, hey, listen, I appreciate it. They're trying to cause some buzz. Deshaun Jackson, if that thing gets worked out, this is the team. This is going to be a really good team. And I'll say this as a Giants fan. The Eagles own the Giants. Every time the Eagles play the Giants, even when the Giants have a lead in the fourth quarter, something happens. The Eagles find a way. The Giants either fumble, either Eli makes a mistake. The Eagles can beat the Giants. They have the confidence. They could beat them in Philly, of course, and they come into New York, and it looks like the Giants are going to win, and then then they beat them. So listen, from that standpoint, I'm not going to talk shit. All I'm going to say is just win something. I put something on Facebook, and a lot of people talk got got upset with it and uh, it it caused a lot of um, fun chatter on Facebook, but I said Nabdi Aswa said he's happy to be part of the winning tradition, and I said, when he says winning tradition, does he mean zero Super Bowls? Because that's what you guys have done. You guys are the buffalo bills of you guys are the buffalo bills of the NFC except you 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 only got to the dance once but you knocked on the door that many times. So um, I'll say this. Just win. The Eagles have a good team. Andy Reid, all you stupid Philadelphia fans who don't like Andy Reid, I think you're out of your mind. Andy Reid has done a great job. His winning percentage is phenomenal. I love the fact that the guy passes more than runs. I would love a coach like that. Uh, You got to love how he basically sent T.O. home back in the day and didn't give a fuck. He doesn't want distractions, and I think that's why the owner sticks with him. And, um, you know, and I heard a lot and I know a lot about the owner, uh, Laurie, I believe, about, about the owner of the Jets because somebody that my wife works with, um, the, the person my wife works with is actually uh, related and has a relationship with the, with the Laurie family. And I heard great things about that guy. That guy is really loyal and uh, that's why he's sticking with Andy Reid. But if you look at the numbers, I think Andy Reid's a great coach, man. The guy's a great coach. Um, you don't get to five NFC championships and a Super Bowl if you're doing something wrong. And I always love how they say a coach can can get you there but can't get you over the hump. If a coach gets you to the NFC championship that time and a uh, Super Bowl, how about the players having to do something? It's like Marv Levy with the Bills. You know, the guy got to those Super Bowls. It's like, what? He's not. He's a great coach because he got you there, but he can't. No, how about the players having to step up in the moment? Um, how much would it suck to be a Bill? On the team, if you were on the fourth time to the Super Bowl, just going, "Oh my God, we better at least win this one," and then you didn't. Um, But that's what I'll say about the Eagles. Eagles fans, calm you, calm you, slow down a second, win one, okay, and then do all your shit talking. And hopefully, the Giants beat your ass this year. Um, Stop painting your faces green, um, and just go and enjoy the game and see if you you guys can you know pull it together. But hey, on paper, you guys look good. I will say this though, the Yankees on paper that one year when it was like, you know, everybody on the team with the you know pitching. I mean, they still look like that. And look, they've only really won one since it's been that way in '09. So let's see what happens. But uh, there you go, Chad. Some football conversation for you. I know you're one of those Eagles fans just chomping at the bid, waiting to destroy everybody. I know you're talking shit. I know you think you're gonna go 14 and two. You know, all the power to you. I'm just saying, just let just see what happens. Um. Alright, so that's from the fans. Thank you, uh, Matt Kona, Chad Weicker, my buddy. Uh, I hope all is well. And uh, that's it. And that will bring me right into the sports segment. Moving right along here. And here's all I want to talk about sports. I know I'm in the minority here, folks. I know nobody wants to hear this. I hope Tiger Woods comes back and comes back with a vengeance. I want Tiger Woods... To just beat everybody again. I'm so sick of people saying he's done. You know, the guy made a mistake. It was a huge mistake. He humiliated his wife. I get that. I see why she divorced him. I get that. People make mistakes. A guy like that was not ready for that level of money, fame. Uh, He was a nerd his whole life. And then all of a sudden he had anything that he wanted. Okay, I want him to come back and win. I'm rooting for him every time. And I hope he dominates the sport again. I really do. Um, That's what I want to see. And I know women are like, how can you fucking say that? He's a fucking piece of shit. Shut up. Okay, shut up. He made a mistake. He succumbed to, you know, to things that he shouldn't have done, to opportunities that he shouldn't have taken. And he made a mistake and he paid for it. Okay, his ex-wife got 500 million fucking dollars. Okay, so that's how I could say it. That's a big price to pay to lose your family Okay, to have a broken family and you lose five hundred, everything you worked for, half of it is gone, to the woman you made a mistake to. Um, so I'm rooting for him. I hope he comes back. I hope he gets stronger and better than ever and just shits on everybody. Good for you, Tiger. Go out there and beat the shit out of everybody. All those Irish pricks talking shit. Uh, all right, that's it. I don't know why I got racist against Irish people right there, but I just that's that's all who's winning right now. The 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 Irish guys. Uh, all right, so that's it for um, that's it for sports. Just real quick, thing on Tiger Woods there, and uh, so let's okay. And that's going to be unacceptable for the week. So unacceptable for the week. This week is going to be what I'm talking about about sports fans who talk shit when their team has never won anything. So Red Sox fans, okay. It was 86 years before 2004, so it's just crazy to talk. And then now, 2004, 2007, you went talk shit. Okay, you you talk shit. You know the Detroit Lion fan, like no Detroit Lion fan should. First of all, if you're a Detroit Lion fan, you the amount of words you say on a particular evening you're out watching football should be limited. Like you should have like a there should be like a monitor, be like listen dude you talked enough until you got you guys got to hit this field goal for you to get five more words. That's how fucking bad it is to be a Detroit Lions fan. So Eagles fans, although you guys got the team and you got everything, and this goes for everybody, unacceptable for the week, sports fans who talk shit like their team is the most dominant and they have not won a Super Bowl. Completely unacceptable. Okay? My New York Giants 2007 win, which in my opinion is the greatest run of any fucking title ever, going on the road, doing it in Dallas, they said Eli would never win a playoff game, he went into Tampa, he won one, went into Dallas, we were losing the game by two touchdowns, we won that game, going into Green Bay, you know, seven, ten degrees below zero, the Giants practiced outside, great move by Tom Coughlin, the Packers practiced inside, they lost, Giants go to the Super Bowl and then beat the undefeated Patriots, it's the most undeniable shit, and I will talk shit about that, and I will talk shit about the Giants winning. That was fu- that 2007 Super Bowl victory for the Giants gave them 10 years of shit in the bed for me. Okay? They could shit the bed until 2017, I don't care. That was that's how great that win was. So until your team wins and if you talk shit before your team wins, completely unacceptable. Win just one. That's unacceptable for the week. Okay, we are almost 45 minutes in here. What do I have left? Uh, All I have left is uh, movies, which uh, I told you, Horrible Bosses was great. I have not seen anything, but tonight I am going to see Planet of the Apes, which I think is going to be fucking phenomenal. Uh, I'm hoping I'm not disappointed, but it looks like it's going to be good. So I'm going to check that movie out tonight, and I will have reviews for it next week. Next Wednesday, I will be back here, Versi Effect podcast show next week with uh, Dave Kimowitz um, uh, and or Chris Italia. Uh, my managers from Cringe Humor, Uh, we will talk comedy, we will talk a lot of different things, and those guys are super honest, man, and those guys will talk about a lot of things I'm sure that they saw at Montreal, Um, you know, and and what they think about comedy and and everything like that. Those guys know a ton, so they'll be on uh, next week, and uh, that should be a good show, Uh, and I'll review that movie. And uh, basically, in closing here, I just want to say this weekend this will be posted tonight so i know i'm giving you guys short notice tomorrow saturday night august sixth, i will be headlining catch a rising star comedy club at the hyatt beautiful hyatt hotel there in princeton new jersey uh... tomorrow night so if you're in that area and you want to come out and see a good show uh... I, I got a bunch of new stuff i'm gonna be talking about and uh... just trying to get better and better so come out and uh... see a show it should be uh... it should be great and um and that's pretty much it. So uh thank you to uh thank you to the fans, to my friends and fans uh listening, who want me to talk about it again. Tell tell other people I will definitely call you out. I'll say your name, what city you're from, what you do. I don't give a shit, man. If it's a good question, it should be talked about, and that's what I'll do. Um and uh that's it. So check me out tomorrow. Catch a rising star. Check out um, other episodes of the versey effect podcast show which are available for free on podbean and also itunes and also uh for more information and stuff you can go to www.polversey.com i uh, will hint right now that in the middle of august i have a huge announcement um on uh this is be my second big announcement. My first announcement was that I got signed by cringe humor and uh my second announcement uh is a really really big one. Uh so stay tuned for that. Uh I will put it on Facebook and I will also put it on uh, I will announce it uh here first on the Versi Effect which should be in two episodes. So uh, stay tuned everybody. Thanks for listening and until next week, man. I am out of here. Uh later everybody.